Well, let's pray as we continue our series on the divine exchange. First week, we talked about the divine healing. Jesus bore stripes on his back that we might be healed. Second week, we talked about Jesus taking the curse. The crown of thorns represents the curse in Genesis 3. And then uh, last week, we talked about he carried his cross. He carried our burdens. We can have rest. We don't have to live a stressed out life thanks to Jesus. Amen. And, uh, and today we're going to continue that series, but let's pray. Father, I pray, God, give me your unction, Lord. Father, I, I don't want to just give an academic lessons. Father, I pray, place your anointing upon me. The Lord, I can preach your word under an anointing. Lord, I don't want to just give knowledge, Lord. I pray that the word of God would go beyond knowledge, beyond the brain and into the heart. Lord, I pray today that, Lord, whatever scheme or tactic the enemy has devised over people's lives today, that the word of God will penetrate it, cut it, deliver, and set people free. Lord, I pray, clear the atmosphere of all opposition. Lord, I pray, seal this time. Cause every distracting spirit to be bound up. Lord, I pray that your word would just find a a fertile soil to land in today. Lord, bless me as I preach it. Bless those that hear it today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In John chapter 19 and verse one. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and they put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. Verse 16. Then he delivered him to be crucified. Then they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him. Now the Bible tells us that Jesus was led away to a place called Golgotha, And there the Roman soldiers crucified him. A Roman crucifixion. We're not familiar with that today. They don't use, uh, they don't crucify people. Today we use electric chairs to, uh, to, to kill criminals. But in that day, a Roman crucifixion, according to Bible history, was a word used to describe how criminals were publicly executed. And you know, you know about it, how they laid a person on a cross And then uh, with their arms outstretched, they took large nails and they nailed their hands to the cross. And then they took their feet and they crossed their feet and they nailed their feet to the cross. And when the victim's feet and uh, hands were nailed to that wooden cross, they would lift that cross up and they would suspend that person in the air until they died. And we know that when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified uh, between two thieves. And uh, the Bible tells us that this is how Jesus died. He died like a criminal, but he was not a criminal. He had done nothing wrong. Amen. And so he died by crucifixion, being nailed to the cross with three large nails. Now, the nails used to crucify Jesus represents part of this divine exchange that we've been talking about. The Bible says, if you'll flip over now to Colossians chapter 2, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 and in verse 1, uh, verse 13, excuse me, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt 
consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now, this passage of scripture in Colossians tells us that we are at all at one time were spiritually dead in our transgressions. And then, but Jesus through his crucifixion, Colossians tells us, made us spiritually alive, having forgiven all our sins and transgressions and canceling out that sin debt, taking it out of our way by nailing it to the cross. He nailed our sins to the cross. That's what Colossians tells us. So according to Colossians, the nails used in the crucifixion represent his forgiveness for our sins, allowing us who were dead in our transgressions to be made alive spiritually. Amen. Because he took our sins out of the way when he nailed them to the cross that day. So the divine exchange is this. His forgiveness for our sins. His forgiveness for our sins. Now, you know, in today's day and age, we don't think much of sin. We have uh, downplayed sin. We have made it to be just, oh, it's funny. Sin. (laughs) It's fun. But sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross. Sin is why he had to die. Amen. You know, I'm just thinking about this right now. You know, before Jesus died to cover for atonement of sins, you know, they used to take a, a sheep and they bring a sheep in front of the people and, and, and the priest would lay his hand on the head of the sheep and they would kill that sheep right in the front of the people. And they would take the blood of that sheep and they would bring it to the, to the temple and they would place it on the altar. It was a picture of another lamb that would come later, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus died, he died to take away our sin. It's very important. His forgiveness for our sin. Now, let's talk about why this divine exchange is so important to you and I. Why his forgiveness is so important. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know what? We've all proven that we are utterly incapable of living the righteous and holy standard that God wants us to live. Isn't that right, saints? We've proven that. None of us are good enough. None of us are capable of reaching God's standard. The Bible tells us we've all missed the mark and we're guilty before God. Every last one of us. And there is a high price to pay for sinning against God. How many of you know that? You know, James 1.15 says this, Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. The progression. When lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, full grown or matured, it brings forth death. How many of you know this is right? When sin is finished, it's completed its course in someone's life. It leaves a path of death and destruction in somebody's life. You know, I remember, well, it's been, I don't know, about five years ago that Brother Jim Dornell preached a sermon here and he preached it 10 years earlier. 
It's a classic sermon and it's called The High Cost of Sinful Living. You know, whenever I was preparing for this sermon, I thought about that and I asked Doug to make me a copy. I went back and listened to that sermon and I thought, you know what? That sermon is so powerful. And the three points of the sermon is this. Some of you would know it and quote it because it's one of those sermons you never forget. But the three points of that sermon is this. Sin will always take you farther than you intend to go. And sin will always keep you longer than you plan to stay. And sin will always cost you more than you can afford to pay. And that classic example is found in 2 Samuel 11. And it's the example of David when he sinned with Bathsheba. And the Bible tells us in that story that David, he, he sinned. He was a king. He was chosen of God. He was anointed of God. But you know, sin reached his house as well. And I want to read part of that story to you. And, and because it's very important, verse 1, 2 Samuel 11, it happened in the spring at the time when the kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Now when evening came, David arose from his bed, walked around on the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful in appearance, so David sent and inquired about the woman and said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. The woman conceived and she sent and told David and said, I am pregnant. Now, I'm sure David never intended to commit adultery. He just happened to look over there. He was probably just lounging around. And he looked over there and saw this beautiful woman bathing. And he began to inquire about her. Who is this? And then finally he sent for her and, and called her over. I'm sure he never intended to commit adultery. But you know what? That one night of sin took him further than he intended to go. It took him further. Sin will always take you farther than you intend to go. You know, we open our, we open our, our life to sin and then sin takes control over us. In Genesis 4, 7, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must master it. Genesis says, sin was, sin will take us further than we want to go. How many of you know that? So we need to live our life sober and guard our hearts and our life against sin. And none of us are so good. That we don't have to worry about that. None of us are so strong that we don't have to worry about that. All of us need to stay on the guard. Amen? You see, because once sin comes in, it's going to try to take over your life. You know, listen, you, nobody intends to be a burglar. Nobody intends to be a murderer, an adulterer. Nobody intends to be a, a, a drug head, an alcoholic. Nobody intends, but a little stealing grows into a full-fledged burglar. A little anger turns into murder. Isn't that right? A little flirting with a co-worker can end up being adultery. And just a little wine or one pill to sleep at night can open up the door to someone become totally controlled and addicted we got to be careful. It all starts with just a little lust. 
And whenever that low lust is given into, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is matured, when it's taken us the distance of where it wants to take us, it'll leave us in a path of death and destruction. That's what James chapter 1 and verse 15 says. Sin will always keep you longer than you plan to stay. And after David found out about Bathsheba, that she was pregnant, you know, he was going to cover his tracks. And so what he did was Uriah was out fighting a battle. He called her in. He, he, he sent him to, he called him in and he said, Hey man, just go spend some time with your wife. He was going to try to get him to come home, go spend some time with his wife and pin the pregnancy on, on her. I mean, on Uriah. It's just a natural tendency like Adam and Eve. We try to cover up our sin, but the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. Our sin will expose us. Amen. And so now David sends Uriah. She comes back uh, or he comes back in verse 14. It says in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab. By the way, it didn't work. He would not go spend the night at home. He slept on the doorpost, on the doorstep of, the, of, of David's palace. He said, I'm not going. I'm not going and live in ease and fulfill myself with pleasure while my guys are out there at war. So David said, well, I'm going to get him drunk and then I'll send him home. So he gets him drunk and sends him. He won't go home still. So now David has to go, go further. And he says, I tell you, he said, I know what I'm going to do. And he sends a letter with one of the couriers. And as Uriah goes back to the battlefield and he says, put Uriah on the, on the heat of the battle in the front lines. Why is he doing all this? Because sin has taken him further than he really wanted to go. And the Bible says in verse 14 in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. He had written it in the letter saying, place Uriah in the front line of the fierce battle and withdraw from him so that he may be struck down and die. This is David. This is King David, the shepherd boy that God anointed and appointed to be the king of Israel. And now David's saying, hey, Put him on the, on, the, on the front line so he'll die. So in essence, David was an adulterer and now he becomes a murderer by having Uriah killed on the front lines of battle. See, sin will always cost you more than you can afford to pay. And even though we repent, how many of you know there's still a price that we pay to sin? Say, so you know what? I'm just going to go have fun and then tomorrow morning I'm going to go to church and repent. Well, when you sow those seeds, you're going to reap the harvest. When you sow to the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. And the Bible says that David repented in Psalm 51 and verse 2. David said, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done, done what was evil in your sight. So that you're justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Now, it would be great if David, whenever he repented, if everything would have went back to normal. But how many of you know David paid a high price for his adultery and for his murder? The Bible tells us that baby that was conceived in adultery, that baby died. And the Bible tells us that one of David's, one of David's own sons, Amon, raped his daughter Tamar. So those seeds of immorality were sowed in the family. And the Bible says that Absalom, one of his sons rebelled against his dad because he lost respect for him because of the, the, the humility and the embarrassment that he brought on the family. He totally lost respect for him. 
And he, he tries to steal and, and to recruit all of David's followers of his kingdom into his courts. And there's a big war that takes place. And Amon ends up getting, getting I mean, uh, uh, Absalom ends up getting killed. And so now David is brokenhearted because now his son, his son dies as he fights against his dad to steal his kingdom. So even though we repent, there's still a high cost to sinful living. Amen. And so sin will always take you farther than you intend to go, keep you longer than you plan to stay, and cost you more than you can afford to pay. Galatians 6, 7 says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Whenever you sow seeds of sin, a harvest is going to come up. You can't pray for crop failure. It's going to come up. Whenever you live your life on the fence spiritually, it's going to affect your family. Whenever you start em- embracing and, in- and embarking on the world's way, it's going to take you where you don't want to go. Come on, are y'all with me out here? There's a high price to pay for sinful living. There always will, there always was, and there always will be. Amen. And so we make that point so we can appreciate the divine exchange. Amen. And so Jesus, the good news this morning is that Jesus canceled out the debt of sin. And that's what Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Through his nails, Jesus took our sins out of the way, the Bible says. Colossians 2.14, he says, Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. You know, one commentary, it explains it like this. Our sins were written on a certificate. There's a list of them. And when we die, we go to heaven. There'll be a scroll of everything that we've done that was wrong. There was a whole scroll. And some of us have a scroll of sins that we've committed over the years. And, and you know, and Satan stands there as, as, as we, our name comes up before God, as we try to come to God. And the accuser says, no, no, listen, you can't help that person. You can't go to their aid. Do you know what they did? And he did, points to the list of accusations. The Bible tells us that Satan is an, an accuser. Revelation 12, 10. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now salvation and power And the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before God day and night. Satan stood before God accusing us of our list of sins. And reminding God of our unworthiness of receiving God's favor and God's blessing. But you know what? Jesus took care of that. He took care of that list of transgressions and sins. Whenever he was nailed to the cross, my list of sins was put between him, his hand, and the cross. And when that nail went through his wrist, it went through that certificate of my sins, and he nailed my sins on the cross, taking it out of the way. Not only did he do mine, he did yours as well. 
Amen. That's the good news. It's by his nails. He took my sin out of the way. So when Satan comes to accuse me, he can't anymore because Jesus took the power of that out of the way. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of righteousness of God in him. Amen. So Jesus took the payment of our sins and righteousness means right standing with God. And my sin caused me to be at animosity with God, to have a strained relationship with God. But thank God that whenever Jesus took those nails, he took my sin and he gave me righteousness that I didn't deserve on my own. And so now I can be right with God. Romans 4, 25 says, He was delivered over to death for our sins, and He was raised to life for our justification. Amen. He took the payment of my sins so I could be justified. Justified means just as if I had never sinned. Amen. So when the enemy comes to me and says, Todd, remember what you did whenever you were 19 years old, 18 I can't remember them anymore because they've been thrown into the sea of forgetfulness and all that don't stand in my way of my walk with God anymore. I have been justified just as if I've never sinned. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Not only did he take our sins out of the way, but through his nails, he broke spiritual death off our life. Colossians 2.13 says this, when you were dead in your transgressions, and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He made you alive together with him, having forgiven our transgressions. When Jesus canceled our sin debt, he broke spiritual death off our life. You know, in David, in Psalm 51, he said, I was born in iniquity. We're all born spiritually dead. We don't have to be taught how to sin. It's part of our nature because of sin, because of Adam's sin in the garden. Amen. But you know what? Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have gone away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, when Jesus took my sins, he awoke me spiritually. Amen. I've been awakened spiritually. Amen. My spiritual eyes, I've been given spiritual CPR. I was flatlined spiritually. But when Jesus nailed my sins, took the death out of the way, I became alive spiritually. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now listen, when Jesus took your sins, you were dead in your transgressions, but thank God he took your sins out of the way. And now you can be made alive spiritually. Spiritual eyes are now open. Amen. And you know what? All of heaven's spiritual resources are now ours because of the canceling of our debt of sin. Amen. The inheritance of peace and joy is mine because I'm alive in Christ. The inheritance of healing and deliverance is mine because I've been made alive in Christ. The inheritance of grace and mercy is mine because I've been made alive in Christ. The inheritance of blessing and favor is mine because my debt has been paid by the nails of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, here's the rest of the good news. That's good news right there, isn't it? But here's the rest of the good news. Jesus broke the power of sin off our lives. Not only did he take our sin out of the way, he broke the power of sin off our life. 
In Colossians 2.14 and 15, he says, Wiping out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Amen. So when Jesus received those nails in his arms and, and, and his feet, he disarmed the demonic powers and authority of Satan. You know what he did? The demonic powers that entice us to sin, the power of that was broken off our life. Amen. And so listen, you know, you say, how can you, you know, how can you stop whenever you've been doing something for a long time? How do you quit? I'll tell you how. It's in the cross. That's where the power to be freed from addictions and the, and the controlling power of sin. When Jesus died, he died to break the power of sin off our lives. Amen. Not that he just forgive my sins, but thank God I can have the power to live an upright life. Amen. And that's what the scripture says. As believers, we can be delivered from the evil powers that entice us to sin. And we need that, saints of God. We need the power of God to live an upright life. You know, we can have the best of intentions. But you know what? That evil nature, that sinful power is strong. And it crouches at our door waiting to take us out. And we need the power of God to keep us from falling in and giving in to lust. Amen. And so now we can be forgiven of our sins and we can be delivered from our sins. In Romans chapter 7 and verse 18, Paul said this, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? And then he says in verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He says, man, the very thing I want to do, I don't do. The very thing I don't want to do, I end up doing. Sin is working in my life. How will I get free from that? And then he says, I think I know how. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then in the next chapter, chapter 8 and verse 1. Therefore, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Amen. So listen, if you're being held in bondage by sinful strongholds, addictions, and behavior, the good news is that we can be set free. Because when Jesus took those nails on the cross, not only did he take my sins, all the sins that I've ever committed all my life and wiped them out, so now I can have a spiritual walk with God, but thank God he gives me the power by his spirit to not give in and not to walk in the lust of my flesh, but to walk in the power of the Spirit of God to live uprightly so I don't have to live the consequences of sin. Amen. That's the divine exchange. 
Jesus took our sins out of the way, releasing us from guilt and condemnation. He also broke spiritual death off our life. You know, you hear people say, man, I can't understand the Bible. You know, I don't know God like you know. You know, listen, everybody in this room today is either spiritually alive or spiritually dead. Just because you come to church and you were raised in church don't mean you're spiritually alive. You need to be born again. You need to have a spiritual birth. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Although he was a religious leader, he said, you got to have a second birth. You need to be born again. Amen? But when you're spiritually dead, you can't understand. You can't understand why people get excited about God. You can't understand what they see. You can't understand what, what just floats their boat because you're dead spiritually. But once you become alive spiritually, the light comes on. You know, you've heard that saying, they saw the light. You really do. Jesus is the light. And when he turns off the light, and when he turns on the light, you can see all the demons around you. You can see the tactics and the plans of the adversary around you. That's a great blessing, saints of God, when you've been spiritually made alive. And you know, it's a great blessing to be able to be freed from the enslavery of sin. People waste thousands and thousands of dollars trying to change behavior, and it only gets worse. They spend with psychologists and psychology and, and, you know, and, and counseling and, you know, all this stuff. And I believe that there's a, a need for that. There's a place for that. But I'm telling you, when you held by the habitual pattern of sin, only the power of the cross in Jesus Christ can set you free from that addiction. Amen. Can set you free from the power of it. Amen. And those who are in Christ are new creatures. Old things are broken off their life. And now they have the ability and the opportunity to live a whole brand new life. Amen. Amen. You say, man, in church, there's just a bunch of, you know, uh, addicts and a bunch of failures. Yes, indeed. You're right, brother. Because we were failing out there. We were down and out. We were living a low down life. And we came to church, found out the power of the cross, received it as our own. And now we're living a life of blessing and favor. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. Come on. Yes, the divine exchange, his forgiveness for my sin. Praise God. Amen. I'm so grateful for the divine exchange. Aren't you? Amen. Come on, let's pray. Would you stand with me? I want you to pray. If you're saved, I want you to pray and ask God to release his his grace for salvation in this place right now. You know, listen. This is such serious business. What we're doing right now, it's no time to go to the potty. It's no time to check your Facebook. It's serious business. Two weeks ago, they had a man right here in church. That night he was gone. He was in eternity. It's serious business. There is a heaven and a hell to have. And people are dying every day, missing heaven, because they have not heard the good news of the gospel. They have not accepted the good news of the gospel. And you might be here today. And I'm telling you, it's not good enough to be in church. I've been to church all my life. But I'm telling you, there's a difference between going to church and being born again. And there are two kinds of people in this room today. Those that are spiritually alive and those that are spiritually dead. 
But the good news is that if you're dead spiritually, don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Be excited. This is your day to be made alive spiritually. Amen. So listen, how many of you today, without a shadow of a doubt, you say, Todd, I'm spiritually alive. Raise your hand. Now put it down. If you couldn't raise your hand and say, Todd, I know I'm spiritually alive. I know I'm born again. Then this is your day. This is your message. This is your opportunity. The Lord is wanting to reach out and pull you right out of the hands of the adversary that's trying to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And right now through prayer, you can be delivered from his hands. If that's you, you say, Todd, pray for me. I don't want to give it a chance. I don't want to worry about it. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. Pray for me. Raise your hand right now. And I want to pray for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now just bow your head with me and just say this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I've broken your law. I have a list that Satan can accuse me of. But I believe in the power of the cross. I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus died for me. So my sins could be forgiven. Lord Jesus, I ask you to have mercy on me. And to forgive me of all my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for cleansing my heart. For nailing my sins onto the cross. And delivering me from the wages of those sins. I want to live the Christian life. I commit my heart and my life to you. And ask you to help me. To live in a way that's pleasing to you. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. While while they're helping these, listen, I want to pray for some more people here today. Because you know what? I believe some of you in here might be living with the guilt and the condemnation of Satan for things that you did a long time ago. And when you come in the presence of God to try to worship Him, the accuser says, you're not worthy of coming to God because you did this and this and this. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, brothers and sisters, that there's no sin that's greater than the mercy and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no sin that's unforgivable except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And if you're here today and you're concerned about your life, you haven't committed that sin, so there's grace for you. Amen? So I want to pray that guilt And condemnation. There is therefore no condemnation. You know what condemnation is? Condemning you. Telling you, no, you're not worthy. How dare you think you can be blessed? How dare you think that God would love you and would accept you and want to help you? That's the condemnation of the enemy. So if he can't puff you up, he will beat you down. But I'm praying that the Lord will break that condemnation and that guilt off of you this day. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Come on. Some of you, you've been haunted by your past. But Jesus took your past on the cross. He nailed your past on the cross. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare that every guilt, every 
condemning spirit that is haunting the people of God today. I declare in the mighty name of Jesus that, Lord, you are releasing them. You're breaking the power of it. Lord, you're setting them free. They're no longer held back by it, held bound by it. But I thank God you are setting them free today in the mighty and precious and strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, come on, if you receive that, come on, just just give the Lord a good shout of praise and say, thank you, Lord. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Praise the Lord. Come on, guilt and condemnation is like long arms that will try to hold you and keep you from moving forward. Amen. But listen, one last thing. Some of you, might be dealing with sin patterns, strongholds that are holding you back. You know, I was thinking about this and people ask me about my testimony a lot, you know, and they, they say, man, tell me, how did you, you know, and, and my, I, I got delivered. I got delivered and, and from drugs and alcohol and you know, I got delivered from that. And I don't, I'm not the only one in here. Some of you did too. How can that happen? It's the power of God. It's the power of the Spirit. And listen, this is the deal. This is the deal. You know, whenever we pray, whenever we pray and ask, uh, ask to be delivered, it's by the Spirit, saints of God. You know what? I was trying to quit smoking pot and doing drugs. I'd come to church and smoke pot on my way home. And I was like, Lord, I didn't go to church to smoke pot on my way home. I want to try to change that lifestyle. And the Lord said, you need to quit focusing on your sin. You need to quit focusing on your addiction. And you need to get your focus on me. You need to grow. You need to dig in. You need to know me because it's in me that you're going to get delivered. And I want to tell somebody in here today that I don't care how long it's been. I'm telling you, the power of God can set you free from what everything is holding you come on let's pray right now father in the name of jesus we declare that through the nail scarred hands of jesus there is power that has been released to judge sin in our flesh to break its power and to give us freedom and liberty to walk by the spirit and not by our flesh lord i pray that you break addictions I pray that you break strongholds. Lord, I pray that you would liberate and set people free today. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that agreed with that shouted and said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father God. Listen. If you are struggling, get some help. Call the office on Fridays to celebrate recovery over here. Please get some help. There's a life that God has for you that, listen, if you've got a drinking problem and you say it's not a problem, but every day you're drinking, wake up. Satan's got you. Open your eyes. Get some help. Be delivered. Amen. Come on. Come on, Satan. will try to get your liver destroyed. He will try to break up your family. He will do everything. Listen, if you're tempted at work, run. Get some help. Change jobs. Do whatever you got to do.
Get away from that. If you're taking advantage of your employer, if you're taking advantage of the government, stop. Come clean. Walk away. Get right with God. It'll be worth it because God will bless you for it. He will honor your decision and your commitment to Him. Amen? He took those nails on the cross so that you could have hope right where you are. Amen. Call the church office. We'd be glad to walk with you and help you. Amen. And listen, as long as we on this earth, we're going to face temptation. It's going to be a battle. But the good news, if we stay close to the cross, we're going to make it. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for releasing your blessing, your favor, and your grace over every family and every home. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, God bless. If you need prayer, come forward. We'll pray with you and and we'll agree with you. If not, be blessed. Have a great day and we'll see you soon. You're dismissed.